As I was thinking about doing this program today, an example came to my mind that was rather bizarre, a bit shocking to me, and yet it was a good one. And it brought in a new way of looking at our subject, one that I don't suppose I've really ever uh, contemplated before. And that is this, that a baby scorpion somehow knows instinctively from the start that it has the poison to be able to kill. A baby cobra, the same thing. As soon as it comes out of its egg, it's not only already deadly, but it knows that it's deadly. And to put it in a more cheerful frame, somebody who's got a talent, like a Mozart, who is uh, uh, from birth a great musician, he knows that he's great. He knows that he's got this musical talent before he's even tested it. We find that in the lives of great men and women that they have had an absolute faith in their vision, in their potential, even though circumstances still, still had to bear out their faith. That is to say that we somehow within us understand our potential. Now I'm going to put that to you in this way that everybody somehow feels a desire for happiness. Doesn't that mean that happiness is a potential? If we want to be happy and don't know how to find happiness, doesn't it mean that somehow we ought to be able to find it? I'm going to propose happiness to you as something that's your right, something that's your birthright, something that's your own nature, your own true potential, even if you've never known a moment of happiness in your life. Because there's something in each one of us that longs to be happy, to be contented, and to get away from the pain and tears that we find so often in this world. People sometimes give up and they commit suicide, but even the committing of suicide, even the absolute despair that people confront from time to time wouldn't be so if it were simply an obvious fact that you shouldn't be happy. It's because you think you ought to be and you lose faith that you can be, that perhaps you uh, lose sight of that potential. So let's take happiness as a starting point. Let's take uh, our a potential for happiness as being real in the very fact that each one of us somehow believes that it's possible. People believed at one point that the world was flat. That didn't make it so. People have believed a lot of things that turned out not to be so. But when we talk of inner potential, inner talent, things that we have inside ourselves that we haven't yet fulfilled, then I think that we are right in believing that the very fact that that thought is there means that it's a part of our nature. It's a part of our birthright, again, to use that word. So the question, is happiness possible, must be answered first on this level. Yes, it has to be possible because we all want it. But that by itself is, of course, not a satisfactory answer. We need to round it out. And so let's ask the much more important question, how is happiness possible? How can we find it? People wander around. It's sort of like 
coming to a part of the world where lots of diamonds have been found, and somebody comes upon uh, uh, walking in that territory, comes upon a, a field where somebody's broken a glass, and there are lots of little pieces of glass shining in the sunlight. And he thinks, of course, the first thought he thinks is, diamonds! He goes to pick up a little bit of glass, and it's only glass. He may even cut him as he picks it up. And he may pick up many pieces and still not find a diamond. So finally, he says, well, there are no diamonds. Well, okay, if he read it in a book and nobody knows who published the book and nobody's been able to find the author, you may think that it was some sort of Grimm's fairy tale. But if, in fact, you meet people, or let's put it this way, you know somebody who's met somebody, but surely you've met somebody in your life who had a lot of happiness. Surely you've met somebody who didn't uh, justify that dour expectation that we find in the lives and eyes of so many egotistical, cynical people. Someone who was really happy in himself. Someone for whom happiness was not a matter of jumping up and down like Fred Astaire in the movies, but somebody who was just quietly, serenely, deeply happy, who was grateful for his life, grateful for what he'd done, grateful for what he'd learned, grateful for even the hard, experience that he'd, hard experiences that he'd had because they taught him something. The very fact that somebody has found it means you can find it. He has done something on behalf of the whole human race. He's specialized in being happy. And the very fact that he found that happiness means that the whole human race, and you and me, can also find that happiness. How do we do it? Well, one of the things is to realize that happiness is not dependent upon the things that you acquire or the conditions that you remove. Let's look at this from uh, the point of a little imaginary drama. A person's walking down the street, the sun is shining, the birds are singing, he's feeling great, perhaps he had a good breakfast, everything's going right for him, and suddenly, in the midst of whistling a very happy melody, he looks in a store window and he sees something he's always wanted. Something that's a little bit out of reach, something he can't just go in and plunk down his money on the counter and pick it up, something that will take a little work getting. Maybe a television camera, maybe a still camera, maybe a car, maybe a coat, maybe a piece of jewelry. Whatever it might be, suddenly he realizes that he wants that and that he won't be completely happy until he gets it. And the birds are still singing their little hearts out and the sun's blazing away, just flooding the streets with golden light. And he may still even be singing, but somehow there's less of a spring in his step. And the birds are not quite so noticeably happy. He doesn't hear them as much. And the sun's there all right, but still he's got his mind on that camera, let's say. And so he thinks, now how can I get that camera? And he spends maybe months trying to earn the money to get it. And finally he goes in and he gets that camera and he, he feels so great all over again. Well, did the camera make him happy? The thought of needing the camera was what kept him from being happy, isn't it? 
In other words, he placed a condition on his happiness. He said, I'll be happy when I have that thing. And I won't be completely happy until I get it. And then he gets it. Did the karma make him happy after he got it? No. It was that he removed that condition that told him he wouldn't be happy until he got it. And there was that thought in his mind that identified, that defined happiness with that beautiful Nikon 8008, for example, or that beautiful Porsche, or whatever it might be. And so his idea is satisfied, and his idea tells him he's happy. But is the Porsche, or the Nikon, or whatever it might be, actually making him happy? Is it, let's say, a happiness box? Hardly. After a few days, he begins to find that he's not quite as happy in that possession, and the only way he can get back to the happiness he had when he first bought it is to show it off to his friends, and then their envy or congratulations or whatever reminds him of how good he felt, and so he tells himself he feels good again. But after a while, even that wears off, and pretty soon he's just baying down the trail of some other thing he wants. Now, people surround themselves with all these conditions. You know, if you pinch your hand hard, and harder, and harder, and harder, until it really hurts, then you let go. <sighs> it feels so great. Why? Because it doesn't hurt anymore. And to many people, that is happiness, relief, fulfillment of a condition that they placed on their happiness, that they told themselves in their mind um, would be necessary in order for them to have the happiness they've dreamed of. Happiness, my dear friends, does not lie in things. If you think that laughter lies in things, this is a song I'm going to have our choir sing in a little bit. If you think that laughter lies in things, if you think that happiness lies in things, to things you'll be but a slave. We need to learn to be free in ourselves. We, learn to we need to learn to realize that happiness is a state of mind. Happiness is something that we can have inside no matter what goes on outside. In this respect, I remember, I don't know if you've read the autobiography of the Italian sculptor uh, Benvenuto Cellini. It's a really interesting document. There's a particular episode in this that I'm trying, that I'm thinking of right now that I want to bring out, bring to your attention. He got in trouble with the Pope. Lots of people got in trouble with the Pope. Put the Pope wanted him to carve things, and he didn't want to pay him for carving them. And Cellini was a very stubborn person who finally said, uh, uh, no ticky, no shirty. And so the pope, pope had the ultimate power and put him in prison. And so Cellini found himself in a dungeon with uh, a very small space to live in. The mattress on which he uh, slept was soaking wet just from the moisture of being in this underground cellar. Rats ran around at night. All they had gave him to eat was the proverbial bread and water. There was enough light uh, coming through a window to allow him to read the Bible one hour a day, and the rest of the time he couldn't even read. And so he spent his time praying. You know what happened? Finally, the Pope let him out. And later, Cellini wrote a poem, and he said, if you really want to know what true happiness is, then arrange to be locked in a dungeon with a wet blanket, a wet mattress, rats running around, 
bread and water for a diet, almost uh, only an hour to read by, and spend the rest of your time praying. He said that in my whole life I have never been so happy. And it wasn't stubbornness that made him that way. Listen, I can tell you, I've meditated now for 42 years, and I can tell you that in meditation, in contact with the higher self, in contact with God's presence within you, in contact with the inner peace, you find a kind of happiness that isn't just your mind telling you. It's something that you get rid of all the thoughts and expectations and you're just still and suddenly you feel so wonderful. Happiness is a positive thing. It's not just something that when you remove a few, ex a few conditions and fulfill a few mental expectations for a while, you don't feel so bad and you define that as happiness. Happiness is not like, uh, uh, well, I'm not in the hospital and uh, uh, I, I can pay my bills. I must be happy. Many people, if you ask them, are you happy, they wouldn't even know the answer. They'd have to go through all the reasons for not being happy and then uh, for being unhappy, I mean. Then they may say, well, I guess I'm happy. I've got a lot to be grateful for. I'm trying to talk about something that's much, much deeper. I'm trying to tell you that your real nature is happiness. You are a child of God. You are a reflection of the infinite. You are a prince or a princess in the palace of eternity. And the more you learn to still your mind, the less you depend upon things outside yourself to give you the things that you're looking for, the more you can live within yourself and in contact with a higher reality, the more you will find not just happiness, but a kind of joy that bursts upon your consciousness that's so great that sometimes you can hardly stand it. I remember a wonderful thing that a saint in France, a Saint Jean, uh, Jean Vianney said. He said, if you knew how much God loves you, you would die for joy. Can you imagine that kind of love, that kind of joy? It's there. It's been found by many saints in all religions, in all centuries, you can find it. All you need to do is meditate, pray, think of God more, make him a reality and not just something you think about. Talk to him in the second person. Don't just keep thinking, he, he, he. Think you. You've got to come to me. You're my own father. You're my own divine mother. I'm yours. Naughty or good, I'm your child. If you pray like that, if you meditate like that, then you'll find him becoming a reality. But now, let's take that reality aside and think right now, what about today? Because you're a child of that eternal, the eternal Father, because you're a child of eternity, because that's your birthright, that's who you really are, that's your potential. Therefore, happiness can also be known by merely affirming it. Don't wait for things to make you happy. Just say that from this moment, I'm going to be happy. Happy is not something that comes when everything goes right. Happiness is a state of mind, a determination, an affirmation that when you say, from now on, I'm going to be happy. Make that your philosophy. 
Make that your creed. If you determine under all circumstances that you are happiness and you will be happy, you can sing, From joy I came, for joy I live, In sacred joy I melt again. From joy I came, for joy I live, In sacred joy I melt again. From joy I came, for joy I live, In sacred joy I melt again. From joy I came, for joy I live, In sacred joy I melt again. From joy I came, for joy I live, In sacred joy I melt again. Live in that thought. Live in the thought that you can be happy because happiness is your own deeper nature. And then don't worry. I don't mean when you see suffering that uh, you should giggle. That would be pretty absurd, wouldn't it? But you know, you can, the difference between pity and compassion is that pity sinks to the level of other people's suffering where compassion, seeing pain in others, longs to give them joy. It almost helps you to feel more joy when you see pain, because you know that this is something that they can make real in their lives. So I'd like to have our singers, our joy singers, sing a simple song. I said I told you a little bit the line of it from, uh, from the song a little bit earlier, but the song is called The Secret of Laughter. Thank you. <laughs> 